So here's what I want to do for the next few moments. I want to talk to you about crossing over how through the honoring God and his covenant anointing. So what I want to do, and this is crazy when God told me this this morning, not crazy, but it's like, okay, Lord, sure, couldn't you tell me that last week? But he said, I want you to release a spiritual impartation, which will bring protection and acceleration, both in our covenant family, Bethel, but also with you and your life and your family. So not only, so, so what's he want me to do today? Release a spiritual impartation, which will bring protection and acceleration. Protection to cover us, to keep us strong and healthy and mighty, but also to accelerate what? Whatever that supernatural promotion is, whatever that supernatural breakthrough is, whatever that divine encounter you need, whatever it is, whatever healing you need, whatever provision you need, to accelerate. Somebody say accelerate. I'll read it again. I want to release a spiritual impartation. What's that mean? To impart, to birth into, to begot, to be born of. Both in our covenant family, Bethel, along with your personal life and the life of your family. And through teaching a key dimension that I want you to get in this house. Many have never heard this in recent years, but God said, I got to bring this back through teaching a key dimension to serve and lead through prophetic leadership. To serve and lead through prophetic leadership. What's that? Leadership with God's knowledge, God's discernment, God's wisdom. (laughs) Obtained by giving what honor First to Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing, and on his church, the body of Christ as a whole, so it can come on us as partners, Bethel and our church family, but also your individual life and your family and your community. Can anyone say amen? Everything in the kingdom begins with honor. You got to give honor where honor is what? Due. So in Luke 4, we look at Christ and he's beginning to reveal himself outside his circle, his disciples, those that he's in covenant with. Now he's taking it to the church as a whole, to, to the synagogue, right, where he grew up in his hometown. And, you know, they would always have a chair there for the Messiah. When the Messiah came, it's dusty and all that because no one could sit in it. That was for the Messiah. But they hand Jesus the scroll. And the Bible tells us, well, first of all, let's look at Luke 4, verse, beginning verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of Holy Spirit to Galilee. This is after he fasted 40 days and nights, right? And the news of him went throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, synagogues being glorified by all. What's that mean? To be manifested, to be seen, to be noticed by all. Verse 16, so he came to Nazareth, right, where he grew up, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, because this is something he did regularly. He went into the synagogue, not a synagogue, but the synagogue, what? The one he was accustomed to going to as a child and a young man on the Sabbath day. And he stood to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. They could have handed that particular letter to any of the other people that were going to read, but they handed it to him. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And it's also from Isaiah 61. That's where this comes from. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has, everybody say has, anointed me. Hmm. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is the acceptable year of the Lord? That's every 50 years they would have a jubilee. And on jubilee, every 50 years what happened, they had to, actually every seventh year, and then it turned into the 50. So every seventh year they have a jubilee. What does that mean? If one of the people you're in covenant with, another Jewish family were in covenant with, if you they owed you a debt, you were required to relinquish that debt. I bet all their deals were six years and 364 days or less because they're good, good Jewish folks. They know how to do business. Hallelujah. But on the seventh year, it was Jubilee, so they had to what? release those in debt, those servants that they may have turned into slaves, indebted servants. They had to be released. Everybody say released. So Jesus is saying right now is your Jubilee as he's reading this. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he waited till they all got their attention on him after he read it. Because they're like, man, there's something unique how he read that. He just read the scripture, right? Verse 21, and he began to say to them, today, everyone say today. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Man, what an anointing. Who would have ever thought? What, what gracious words? What, what wisdom? And then, then, then look at that. It says, uh, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It took them a second before they realized what he had said. They were so enamored with the anointing on his life and the revelation and how he was sharing the scriptures like no one had before. And then it started ringing in their ear. Wait a minute. He said, today this scripture is fulfilled. In other words, the Messiah is here. I'm he. <laughs> but, but here's what religion does. It can set and admire a move of God. It can set and admire, admire a salvation or a baptism or people coming into covenant or healed or delivered. They can admire it to a point. But sooner or later, they got to bring it back into the natural. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the two different sects of, of the religious leaders at that time, the, the Pharisees did believe that there could be supernatural things. But the Sadducees were so Sadducee because they didn't believe in resurrection of the dead or any supernatural events. It's just all the law. When God put on a, a calling on my life to bring two streams together, integrity and faith in his word and demonstration and manifestation of his glory, basically, it doesn't mean the Sadducees were any worse than the Pharisees. It just meant that they're not going to enjoy the supernatural things of God. They're not going to enjoy the healings, the miracles, the, the blessings. And that's the way much of the body of Christ is today. Some are kind of in between, but most are kind of over here, don't believe this, do believe that. That's their choice. Oh, I'm meddling today, heavy meddling preacher. 
Hmm. But he said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. What's he talking about? Your hearing. Your hearing. He didn't say in the room. In your, what you process. This is fulfilled in how you process. I'm speaking in a way that you said was gracious and beautiful and wise. And I spoke the language of your heart into your hearing. How does faith come? The Bible tells us in Romans, what, uh, Hebrews, Romans, faith comes what? By hearing and by hearing the word of God. The double annunciation is not talking about the same hearing. Faith comes what? By hearing, like Jesus said, okay, it's in your hearing now. I'm giving you access to the doorway of faith into eternity. It's in your hearing now. But the next level, they never reached, and I believe they would have, but it's that last sentence that I, that I haven't read yet. Because what happens is when I hear, read, or hear the Word of God, faith comes what? By hearing and hearing the Word of God. In other words, I hear it with my natural mind, right, Isaac? But then I hear it with my spiritual mind which means something that was covered becomes uncovered. The root word to revelation is what? Reveal. Whenever God releases revelation such as Jesus said, today it is fulfilled, for thousands of years they were waiting on the Messiah, and he had the revelation and his disciples around him, but th these folks that grew up with him didn't have that revelation because they let the natural supersede the supernatural. And the reason you've always got what you've gotten or gotten less of it is because you always believed what you believed. I say don't believe anything if it's not in the Word of God. But if it's in the Word of God, it's yours, man. Well, I just don't know if it's the Lord's will to heal me. Well, Jesus was asked one time in Matthew 7 or 8, can't remember. The leper, remember he healed the leper? And he said, Master, I come, and he risked his life coming into the camp to be healed. They would have stoned him normally, but he got right in front of Jesus and said, if it be your will, would you heal me? Well, that's the only time that we have recorded that Jesus was asked that. So wouldn't that be the time to line up? Because i got to help all the church doctrines 2,000 or so years from now so that, you know, I don't make people look silly. So he asked him, is it your will to heal? Jesus could have said, well, most of the time. Or if you do this, A, B, C, D, and G, you can. Or if you have a lot of this and not much of that, you can. Or if you go to church here or there, or go to this seminary or that seminary. No, he could have said a lot of things. He could have said, you poor guy, you had to be the unlucky leopard to ask me. I healed those other nine, but you asked me, so I got it do proper teaching and let all these people know since I'll never be asked this publicly again or at least be recorded in the word that's coming out. You don't know about it, but the Bible thing's getting ready to happen. And when that thing happens, they're going to find this one scripture. And I guess, I mean, I know that if I want to make it clear it's not always my will to heal, then I need to say, not for you or not at this time. 
but he didn't, did he? He instantly healed that leopard. He was brand new skin right in front of everyone. Then he'd have to pay, take 1 Peter 2.24 out of the Bible, right? Peter had to be blaspheming if he said that Jesus bore our suffering. Jesus was hung on the cross, did all that. And then it says, by his Jesus stripes, not you will be, you were healed. That's why you get greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Because in me, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, all wisdom and knowledge and everything that I need to access some way or another, he can get it to me if I'm open, if I'm hearing and hearing. <laughs> but the way you access everything in God is you receive his grace and then you access it through faith. You're saved, what? You're born again, how you born again? You're born again, what? Through, by grace through faith, right? Faith is what gives you the grace to Jesus' grace, if you read Romans 5. Anyway, don't have time. Is this helping anyone or am I just? You know, when you're my age, you just don't really care. I do care. I care more about if it's three people that want more of God. I'd rather preach to three people than 500 people any day of the week. Because the other 497 can go somewhere and get that thing they get all the time that they like. You know, it's just kind of rotated about 10 different versions of it over and over and over. I'm not putting other churches down, please. I'm not. I love all, all ministries, and I honor them. But I'm just speaking truth now. So I'm not speaking about individual people or ministries. But that was for somebody. Maybe you have cancer and you need healed. But anyway... So he said, today it's fulfilled in your hearing. So all who bore witness or saw him marveled at his gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, see, this is where old Mr. Unbelief comes in. Wait a minute, this is blowing us away. This dude's anointed. My gosh, we've never heard anything. He's so gracious. He's amazing. He's so wise. We've heard about his fame, all these people. He's healing and delivering and delivering these demoniacs. He's doing all this great stuff. And wow, he's living up to the bill. It's so awesome right now. He's amazing. But it's a little bit out of my belief category. That's a little above anything I could ever think or imagine. So let's bring it to the natural. Isn't he... Joseph's son, you know, that carpenter dude over there in Nazareth? Isn't he just that preacher over there that wants your money? Isn't she just that preacher over there that wants to put another, you know, log on her, on her back saying she did something great for God? Isn't that just some other believer praying in your office because they want something for it from you? I mean, did they just get baptized for their girlfriend or did they really get baptized? You see, whenever we can't muster up the belief, as I say, or get the belief in us or we don't understand the matter, instead of praying and researching, getting in the Word and asking others to help you understand it, we just, that's not true. That's like, if it was, God would show me. He's already told you, showed you, and helped you, and you still don't have it. Why? Because of unbelief. Jesus said unbelief through man's tradition, unbelief makes it so I can't do anything. And if you read the rest of the scriptures here, it even talks about he couldn't do very many miracles there. 
because of what? Their tradition. Their unbelief. So Jesus was speaking to the people. I'm winding down. Don't get nervous on me. Winding down. Then I might wind up, though, if I get tired. I don't know. So there's, there have been no prophets, no prophecies, no encounters with God for 400 years since he prophesied about Malachi. Out of Malachi chapter 3. When God spoke that last thing, there's been nothing for 400 years until John the Baptist was on the scene and then Jesus. So they've been living on religion passed down time and time again. Religion is okay, but you got to have experience with it. And remember, always remember this. Anytime you have revelation, you learn a truth without a personal divine encounter with God, it leads to a powerless religion. Say it again. Anytime you have something revealed from God that you saw and believe, but you don't have a divine encounter with it, you could be there when it happens or you, you pray and it happens, it leads to a powerless uh, religion or a powerless tradition. I remember when I was attending Mount Vernon uh, Nazarene University and, uh, you know, doing the whole preaching thing. I was older when I went. So I was there, and I'll never forget this awesome, his dad used to be the president, and now he was way up in it. <clears throat> but Mr. Sand, Dr. Sanders taught the Old Testament, and I'll never forget, he's so devout. He was probably about 60. <clears throat> he said, I want all you young students to realize this. We're in this certain time and season in the Nazarene church. And I love the Nazarene church. That's where I saved my mom and all. And he said, um, now I know you love it. You're here at this school being trained. He said, but what I want you to understand, we're in a very astute situation. You are the third generation of Nazarenes. The first, and he went through how it was. And so he said, the first generations has the experience in the fire. And then the second generation hears about the experience and the fire. And then the third generation either has to go find and have that experience or just trust third-hand information. I mean, you can talk about grandma and all those miracles she had all you want to. Have you had any? You can talk about how Uncle Bud won all these people to the Lord, but have you won anybody to the Lord? It's dangerous to live off yesterday's seed. <clears throat> because you don't know where that seed's been, what's going on. Is it dry? Is it dead? <clears throat> you could waste good property, good soil, good nutrients, time, energy, work, and it not produce. It's not going to not produce because of its assignment. It's going to not produce because it was never trusted. It was never honored. What's honor? Helping something or someone become what they're supposed to be and celebrating them. Hallelujah. Hmm. Getting ready to pray. Don't get nervous, Gertrude. Getting ready to pray. Someday someone, I'm Gertrude and I'm not nervous. I know it's going to happen someday. 
And then it, it goes on to talk about this with Jesus. It even describes it in Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verse 58. It says, he, this same story was told by Matthew. And it said, now he did not do many mighty works there because of what? Their unbelief. So unbelief is the thief of God's power, but unbelief can't manifest unless there's a powerless tradition at stake. Mark 6, 5 says, Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid hand, his hands on a few sick people and they were healed. So he's, he saw another, you know, each one, each of the gospels give different descriptions, but it's the same. They just give more detailed or not. So he's saying, well, once they couldn't do no mighty works to them, healing the sick, laying hands on people wasn't that big a deal. But there was other huge things that revelation, delivering demoniacs, you know, limbs growing, whatever. You know, some people had a fever and sick were healed maybe, but no blind eyes open. So not many mighty works or he only laid hands on a few. He didn't lay hands on that many. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not nervous. Let me explain something to you. And I normally would never, unless God told me to do this on a membership day, because I want to honor family here, so I'm not criticizing anyone. What I've learned is that when you see me sometimes frustrated in the pulpit, I'm not frustrated at the people. I'm frustrated of the darkness the enemy is blinding truth from people. So I, when I preach, I'm not preaching to you, right? I'm preaching the gospel to release the truth that sets people free. I'm here to release the gospel, the truth about God, to set people free. So anytime you see me or some other person singing or preaching under the anointing, they get frustrated. They're not frustrated at you. They're in a battle in the heavenlies like Daniel was. There is a battle over some of you in here right now. This could be your last service you ever have the opportunity to give your life to Christ. I don't think I've ever said that during a membership. This could be the day that if you don't accept faith and God's gifts to heal you, you will die with that disease. You've spoken enough over your life, you've shown great faith toward it. You know every medication, you even know the generic name. If you do that, you're doing something because those generic names are crazy. Not just a little blue pill or red pill or black pill. But you don't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We don't know Isaiah, you know, 53. You don't know Isaiah 55, where God says, I watch over my word to perform the thing for which I sent it to do. Maybe for one people, I doubt it's more people than that. But we're experiencing such a move here, and freedom and joy. I just want any guest here, man, I, I pray today you, you leave with that joy and that freedom that many of us have here today. I really do. That's my heart for you. Oh, praise God. Then Jesus explains, and I'm going to pray. Jesus explains what had happened. He describes it in Luke 4, 24 about how they reject him. He said, surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. That's where he grew up, right? Why? Because of familiarity. 
See, if you get too familiar with those that are anointed, you trust your knowledge versus what God does through them and in their lives. Then he said this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. Here's how he says it. So they were offended to him, but Jesus said to them, what? A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and his own house. So the different ways that it was translated was no prophet is accepted in his own country or a prophet is not without honor except in his own country or in his own house. When we give other people honor, the honor that's due, then we can receive their anointing and gifts back in our lives. Now, I'm not just talking about preachers up here. I'm talking about Zach, who preaches too. But I'm just talking about Zach over here. He laid hands. I was in a lot of pain. He laid hands on me, and it instantly left. Instantly left. But I honored him because I know he, he walks under the covenant of this house, and we're brothers, and I'm his spiritual father and pastor, but we're in covenant, and that's who I want praying for me. I don't have to dial some number up on some Christian television thing. That's fine if you want to do that. It works for you. I want somebody in covenant with me. Talk about where two or three more elders anoint you with oil. Pray for your healing. I just feel a holiness over this moment right now. Now, I just ask for God's grace to reveal to you as you're watching these men and women come up to receive prayer to really in your life search, do I honor those that are due honor? Do I honor the house of God? Do I honor, do I honor Holy Spirit, Father God of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior? Do, do I honor my family? Do I honor my employer? Or am I cheating on him and getting all the breaks I can without doing a good job? Do I honor my employees? Do I, do I treat them not like slaves or servants, but friends? And I honor them by giving them a life they couldn't have by empowering them with education and financial means. And so do I honor? Because if you want to receive honor, you got to give honor. And that's why I like to take this time. You know, 1 Timothy 2.9 says, Whom he saved and called, not or. Whom he saved and called, not with your own calling, right? But with a, not by your own works or your own calling, but through a holy calling in Christ Jesus before time began. Before time began, God knew every one of us. Before time began, God already called you saved. He already called you into ministry. But the, see, here's the key. you got to accept it. If you don't accept salvation, believe it, confess it, you're not going to be born again. If you don't believe in healing, how are you going to be healed? If you don't really think you have much faith, how are you going to have faith? 